Hi, I'm Nick Horrocks from X.0 Advisory, and welcome to My Digital Journey, a series of podcasts about how technology continues to influence, challenge, and disrupt business. We'll hear from entrepreneurs creating online platforms, right through to adventurers using social media to develop their own personal brand. We'll also hear from people in more traditional industries about how digital is disrupting their prevailing business models and how they are looking to address these challenges. These podcasts aim to highlight the issues faced by businesses and entrepreneurs in the modern digital environment. What made them successful? What mistakes they made? How they look to the future? And how they financed those ambitions? Coming up in this episode. Hi, I'm Alistair Humphreys. I'm an adventurer and an author, and this is my digital journey. For a while, I got quite addicted to the world of Google Analytics, and in the end, I had to ban myself and just settle for the strategy of, if I just produce good stuff, everything else will work itself out. I'm an adventurer and an author, and I also do a lot of stuff on the internet as well. Um, But the internet stuff is all in order to make the first two things happen. So I finished university in 2001 and decided before I got a proper job to jump on my bike and cycle around the world um, for four years. And from that, that led on to years of doing other sorts of adventures and journeys and gradually turning my passion of adventure into a job. And in terms of the digital side of things, I, was, I suppose I was quite an early adopter because back in 2001 for my big bike trip, I had a website and I had what nowadays would be called a blog, but in those days was called sending an update whenever I found an internet cafe once a month. And I started building an email list from there, which I've been doing ever since. Um, and on the back of that journey, I wrote a book and then I've been progressing from that ever since. How do you go about planning your adventures, your journeys, you know, and to what extent is, you know, that involved the internet? So I originally began planning adventures because I loved reading books. I loved reading books of travel and exploration and expeditions. And that was what fired my interest to start traveling. Um, the actual putting together of trips comes very much through huge amounts of Googling and finding people who've done similar things and uh, Google Maps, searching on Google Earth for little tracks through deserts, all the photo type websites for f- finding ideas of places to go. So I use it hugely for, for research. When I began traveling, the internet was useful to me in order to start planning stuff, so research, and it was useful for keeping in touch with friends and family when I was away via email, really. But then it was when I decided to try and make this adventure stuff my job that the internet became critical to it. So, um, for example, I rode across the Atlantic Ocean a few years ago and rather than just doing that for fun, because we had sponsors to keep happy, we had to have uh, the internet on a little rowing boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So we had to be sending blog updates via satellite links. Um, I've done expeditions up near the North Pole, trying to send video, tiny, tiny little video clips via satellite receiver. Um, So... Once I committed to it becoming my job, it became critical to everything I do for two reasons. One is that it's a way of me telling my story. And the only way I can make this a career is by having interesting stories to tell. And the second aspect is by building an audience, an audience of 
people interested in this stuff who hopefully in some slightly nebulous, intangible way, eventually will buy something. And that might be buying a book or a lot of what I do is speaking work. I'm going to do a talk later on today um, and people book me for talks because they've read about me or watched videos of mine on the internet. We're backstage uh, at Hall 11 at the NEC. Uh, there is a gospel choir practicing in the background. So if there's any, any sound coming over what Al has to say, it will be sung beautifully, uh, but it is a gospel choir in the background. Um, and in terms of then, you know, you've got, I think, 40 plus thousand followers on Twitter. I don't... Pro- proper ones, not ones bought, Yeah, uh, well, which, is a cr- which is an yeah, important well, well, distinction. Well, ex- exactly. So you know, do talk about how you build up your followers and how you interact with them, because I think that's very interesting, the, the very point you made, that these are people that you know, do follow you, you've not paid for them. The, the process of building an audience on the internet began for me while I was cycling around the world, gradually people saying, hey, can you add me to your email list as I was sending stories of cycling through Sudan or South America. And that, grad, that sort of notion of telling people stories via the internet grew for me. Um, when I decided to start making the adventure my job, I needed essentially to make people know who I was. I'm not a famous person, so I needed to tell people. So I decided to, this was about 2008, 2009, 10 years ago, when blogging seemed to be the best medium for building an audience. So I approached blogging like a half-time job. So 50% of my time was producing blog content, um, which is good because you're telling your stories. You also start to it, get fingers in all around the internet where people can start to find you. And then a few years later, social media started to come and I had to embrace all of those. And I, I'm not really very good at selling stuff and the hearts of showing off side of building a brand. I hate referring to myself as that, but that's essentially what I have to be. So I chose to just start using the uh, social media to tell interesting stuff, to help people who uh, were trying to plan stuff themselves, and and to occasionally entertain people with adventure stuff. And a combination of informing, entertaining, and helping people, I think, is a good way to start growing a niche-interested following. The um, Probably the most useful thing I've ever read regarding trying to make a career out of the internet is a short article called 1,000 True Fans. The essence being, if you have a 1,000 people who are proper fans of yours, you know, they buy all your books, they come to your talks, you work out how much you need to earn from them a year each, times by 1,000, that's a workable, livable salary. So in my head, I've always tried to think, I don't need a million followers, I just need a 1,000 people who are really, really interested in what I do. And if you have that targeted approach, then hopefully it becomes more than a thousand. The internet really has to be a two-way process. You know, you follow accounts online that are just constantly saying, buy this, buy this, buy this, you quickly get bored. So for me, it's always been a a two-way process. So whenever people commented on my blogs, I'd reply to them properly and thoroughly. When people ask me questions on social media, I make the effort to reply to them as helpfully as I can. And it's very time consuming, but that's the way you start to build relationships online and also start to learn what is useful and what's not useful and then for a while I got quite addicted to the world of Google Analytics and you sort of noticing which blog posts 
strike a chord and get an audience and which ones don't. And that's learning what people are interested in was very useful. But I'm quite an obsessive personality, so I got a bit too addicted to Google Analytics. And in the end, I had to ban myself and just settle for the the strategy of if I just produce good stuff, everything else will work itself out. That leads on to, I suppose, two questions. What One is, how do you spend your day when you're not adventuring? And then secondly, to what extent do your followers, and maybe it's your core 1000, influence what your next adventure is? Or do they rely on you to come up with the crazy ideas? It takes a massive amount of work and time behind a computer to make it look like you have a job that involves no work and no time behind a computer. So I spend time away doing adventures. That's diminished these days as I have a a mortgage to pay and kids and real life. Um, so that's changed the direction of my adventuring. Uh, but I sp- it takes a huge amount of time. The, the, I go do a trip, for example, then I come home, I have to, I've got photos to edit, I've got articles to write, hopefully magazines, maybe newspaper articles, often a book to write, that takes about a year. Editing a film of the trip takes months. So it's a, the actual time out in the f- sun mucking about is quite a small tip of the and iceberg. You, and you do all this yourself, do you? Do you have a sort of, you know, you don't have any social media partners or editing partners or anything like that? People often ask about trying to make a career out of adventure and I suggest to a lot of people that the best thing they could do is go and become a a banker, make loads of money and work for six months, have six months adventure or be a teacher and go climb Everest in the summer holidays. But because and the reason I say that is because what I do is a huge amount of work behind the scenes. But I'm I love all of it. I love writing books. I love doing it all. I don't have any social media managers because if people get in touch with me, I want them to get in touch with me, not my marketing team. It just feels a bit naff and not really what I'm yeah. interested in. The downside of that, of course, is it means I do spend a lot of time on the internet when I could perhaps outsource that and go for a run. Where does digital take the Al Humphreys? brand i'm going to call it a brand because actually everybody else who's listening to this will think i'm will be looking at it from you know a brand a personal branding point of view so what's what's the next stage for the al humphreys brand well the first stage was me accepting that it was a brand and it was a slightly nauseating thing but i I get that yeah when i decided right i'm going to try and make this my job i had to start selling myself and that meant i had to focus so until then my blog was mostly about adventure but occasionally i'd put videos of kittens falling out of a tree or whatever and i had to think no what is my one thing what is my one main mission and i just need to find that one thing and repeat it over and over and over and over again and i've been essentially saying the same thing online for well over 10 years you just keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over again and getting better at that, hopefully. Decide, accepting that it was a brand, working to get my 1,000 true fans, and I've got to the point now where I earn enough money every year without having to fret too much about that in terms of selling books and getting talks. And that has freed up a lot of my head space to try and think of other projects that I can be doing. And what I began just a few weeks ago, it's a a new experiment in the digital world, which I've got very high hopes for. I've been running an email newsletter for, well, 18 years. Uh, That's got about 30,000 followers. And I do that every two or three weeks. But I've just begun a new one called Living Adventurously, which is trying to encourage people to live adventurously every day in whatever realm of life they're in. And this is an automated email course. So someone signs up, 
they get the very first one. Five days later, they get the next one. Five days later, they get the next one. We're quite familiar with these now, but it's the first time I've done it. And my hope is that this course of emails will lead to a new book. And I'm really excited about the potential for using email marketing as a way to share my knowledge through a, a journey that people go on. And at the end of it, the product is buy my book, book me for a talk. Okay, I mean, that sounds absolutely fascinating. I mean, because you are effectively digitally generating a journey. Yeah, so what I'm essentially what I'm doing is I'm writing a book, yeah. chapter by chapter is this email yeah. newsletter. The feedback I get from people yeah. um, will help me improve that as it yeah. goes. And then the end result will be a book. And I've now I've started to do this, I can see lots of ways I can broaden that by sharing my other expertise. So it might be, I could do one, for example, on how to cycle around the world. 20 emails, build up an audience from that, sell them an ebook at the end, or how to be a public speaker. It's a, um, trying to find ways to build an email list and get some sort of passive engagement and passive income, I see as a big part of what I'm trying to do now. So I guess your, your career as an adventurer and on social media has then taken you into the media one way or another I mean to what extent has then being involved in the media and you've done adverts and I think you've done television and things like that to what extent has that changed your profile on social media for many many years my income was essentially 90% speaking work and 10% book sales and my speaking work uh, grew from talking at schools to talking at small companies to talking at big conferences in the last number of years as social media has grown and particularly as video content has become so important not just to the consumer but also to the algorithms that push this stuff in front of people video has become huge and I um, jumped onto the video bandwagon early so I've been making films and doing that has led to quite a lot of brands getting in touch with me to make films for them um, and what they want increasingly is interesting. When I started them a few years ago, they wanted to share them on their websites. Nowadays, it's all about just sticking stuff on social media. And that Facebook comes and goes. Currently, Instagram is all the rave. Every, brands just want stuff on Instagram. Um, but essentially, for me, it's been about producing video stuff. And that has a sort of positive feedback loop of growing my social media audience. One thing that's a little bit frustrating about it is that sometimes brands choose well they choose whether to use me and they choose how much to pay me according to my following and which is a ludicrous ludicrous stupid thing that big brands do because I could buy a hundred thousand extra YouTube followers today I'd get paid a lot more money and it would bring them zero more engagement so um, I think big brands need to go read the 1000 true fans article um, but I have a just for my, for my own sanity I've decided I'm not going to go buying fake fans it's just dumb I'll just do what I've got with what I have. So what sort of brands have you worked work for? And, and, and has, has working with big brands, and certainly publicly, has that in any way changed your sort of profile or how you approach your social media profile? It is interesting working with a big brand because occasionally people accuse me of selling out, which is inevitable, I think, when I'm, I'm sort of peddling a lifestyle of adventure and this sort of hippie bohemian thing, and then suddenly I pop up doing an advert for... Well, for example, Land Rover, that got people, some people quite cross. It gets some people cross and other people say, hey, well done. I've been following you for 10 years. Now you're doing a Land Rover ad. You've earned this and you need to pay the bills. So anything you do will make a few people cross. Um, the really critical thing for anyone starting out in the world of a digital journey is accepting that it takes 
a long time to build up a genuine audience. You can burst a fake audience quickly. You can say, hey, sign up for a free iPad and you'll get a thousand email addresses, but no one cares long term. So if you want to do this, you need to find other ways to tell your story and to pay the bills whilst this grows because it's a slow, slow, slow uh, process which feels counterintuitive in such a fast moving world particularly of, sort of social media and low attention spans but it's a long process to build up trust and reliability and then of course it's very quick to lose it I have a generally I try to be most people are nice to me on the internet but occasionally some people aren't and I have a policy of just not responding only ever responding with nice kind decent things very occasionally I lose my temper and I say something nasty and then it just backfires because then just people go, oh, I used to think you're nice, you're an idiot, unfollowed. It doesn't take long to lose these things, but it takes years to build up a trust, I suppose. So any advice then to budding social media entrepreneurs, social media brands, people that want to launch themselves into, into the, this world? Because it looks very glamorous and I guess you can make a reasonable living out of it one way or another. You don't look like you're starving. So um, this, um, you yeah, what what advice would you give to people who are you know maybe thinking they've got a they've got a passion for something, whatever it might be, but how do they you know bring it bring it to the world? Uh, my advice would be to go and um, read a lot of Seth Godin's blog, read a lot of uh, read this thousand true fans, and then do not give up your day job. Um, start becoming an expert in whatever it is in your lunch hour, in your evenings, in your weekends. Start putting stuff on the internet producing content, telling your story, engaging with other people within your tribe, within your niche, reaching out to them, building up, letting the relevant people know who you are and just tell your story and tell your story until you're so busy you then have to go down to four days a week and keep repeating until it's down to three days a week and bear in mind that it will probably be years before you can actually earn a living specifically from that side of things which is probably not the quick fix answer people want. Well, but. well but I think it's very important that, you know, everyone says overnight success takes 10 years at least. Yeah. Well, I started my email list 18 years ago and my website 18 years ago. I've written 2,000 blog posts now, um, 11 books. Um, I've done thousands of talks. Yeah, and that's taken me best part of 20 years. So, and how many adventures have you taken in along that along that? <laughs> Time. I've done fewer adventures than I have done tweets, which is a which is a yeah. which is a source of constant self-loathing. So, what what's next for Alistair Humphreys? These days, my focus is very much in terms of adventures, very much on micro adventures, which is a book I wrote, which is encouraging people to have short local adventures within the margins of real life. Um, and in terms of my work side of things, it's writing books, and I'm really keen on this idea of these digital progression emails that eventually lead to a new book so I'm it's books is my passion and the internet is the way that I tell people about them essentially micro adventures is actually a really good example of how social media has really helped what I do so the idea of a micro adventure essentially is finish work and instead of going home to watch tv head out of town, go sleep on a hill for the night, wake up at sunrise, run back down the hill, jump in a river, back to work, back to your desk for nine o'clock the next morning. In a nutshell, that's what I've been doing for the last quite a few years. And I wrote a, my most popular book is along ideas about that. And the way that's grown is through people putting it on the internet and then me engaging with them, amplifying their message. The hashtag microadventure has been a massive help for me seeing what all these other people are doing. It's one thing for me saying, hey, go on an adventure, but I'm an adventurer. But if 
Bob from accounts goes off to sleep on a hill with his wife and kids. And I then get his tweet, which has gone out to his 20 followers. And I share it to 40,000 followers and 40,000 people see that Bob can do this. Maybe I can do this. And that is, that's really when it started to become a powerful and effective project, really. Nearly entirely down to me amplifying people's stories through social media. So what's, what's the next book then? So I've been trying to look in recent years. I've, I felt that traditional adventures I've done, like cycling around the world, rowing the Atlantic, walking across India, is, it's a very specific type of adventure. But if you like anything, if you do it a lot, you become good at it and then it becomes less exciting because you're good at it. So I decided to busk across Spain with no money and credit card, only a violin, despite being appalling at the violin, as an exercise in so just, vulnerability. Just, just for listeners, just how appalling were you at the violin? Uh, I could play five little kiddies. I'd been learning for six months. Yeah. I was w- less than grade one standard. I was awful. I'd never played in front of anyone except my violin teacher, who I'd paid for the privilege. Mm. And I'd never bust in public till I turned up in Spain and stood on the first morning with no money, no wallet, and had to busk for the very first time. It was terrifying. So it was a good exercise in risk, in vulnerability, essentially. And um, and actually, it's an interesting internet story because I didn't want to... I wanted to leave the internet behind for a month because it's annoying. Uh, but equally, I knew it was a great story. So I, I decided to just transmit stories and not read anything for a whole month. So it's a kind of digital detox, but also sharing my story. And that was the most popular adventure I've ever done online. I think the vulnerability resonated with people. It's very interesting to hear about a digital detox in a world that, you know, you must surround yourself digitally with stuff. How, how did you survive that? Well, I'm, I'm really caught between two worlds. One, one half of my life is adventure, the outdoors, wilderness, being as far away from the internet and real life and all that boring stuff as possible. And that's my deep passion. But in order to make this a viable lifestyle, I need to be on my phone and on the computer. And so trying to work out ways to structure that without it becoming without it becoming unhealthy has been a big challenge for me. So I schedule a huge amount of my internet content. I schedule it in bursts so that I don't have to be on it the whole time. Um, I have an app called Freedom, which blocks all social media and emails and things from my phone. So it just, when I choose this, it frees up my head from the temptation. Uh, and I'm very aware that whilst it's massively helpful for me, and also enjoyable and also a force for good, it's very important that I turn it off and go climb a tree often as well. So people who are listening to this um, and maybe fancy you know, doing their own journey or their own digital journey, or in fact, even their own digital detox, um, what, would you, what would you recommend to them who are listening? I think I think one thing that would be relevant to to your specific audience would be the the idea of micro adventures that I've been championing online uh, for years. The idea of leaving the inside and the world of computers and getting out and enjoying the sunset. So there's a lot of stuff on my website about that, which I think would be useful. Um, and then in terms of progressing your own building of brands I think although you perhaps don't want to be rowing the Atlantic Ocean and I don't blame you I think the way that I've gone about it and through blogging and the newsletters I've built up I hope would be interesting and actually useful to to anyone so I'd I'd love it if people signed up to my living adventurously newsletter as well. Al Humphreys thank you very much indeed for sharing your digital journey with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening I'm Nick Horrocks from X.0 Advisory 
make sure you subscribe for the latest episode of My Digital Journey.